Father, we thank you and praise you this evening for your precious written word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. We understand and we do believe, Father, that it is the, the infallible, inspired, revealed, written will of you, God. And we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you that your word will never return to you void. We thank you that your word will accomplish what it is sent to accomplish and prosper in the place where to it is sent. So now, Father, we pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, that you would give us revelation knowledge of your word. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. We pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we will know the hope of our calling, that we would know the riches of your, the glory of your inheritance in us as saints, that we would know the exceeding greatness of your power toward us that believe, that we would understand, Lord, comprehend and walk in the fact that you have given us the same power that you used to raise Jesus' dead body from the grave and then set him down at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion. We thank you today that the devil is under the feet of Jesus. And since we are the body of Jesus, the devil is under our feet. And we give him no place. And then, Father, even as Jesus, Jesus did with his disciples, we pray that you will open our understanding, that we may comprehend the word. And thank you for it. Holy Spirit, have full reign tonight. Be the teacher that you are in the midst of us. We yield completely to your leadings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, where we are in the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. The book of Acts. Now, the author of the book of Acts is Luke. And Luke is called the beloved physician in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. He is author of both of the books, book of Acts and of the gospel of Luke. He was a close friend and traveling companion of Paul. We see that in Acts chapter 16, verses 10 through 17, chapter and verse 20, chapter 20, verse 5 through 21, chapter 18, and 18, uh, chapter 27, verses 1 through 28, 16. No doubt Paul uh, influenced his writing. In fact, Acts abruptly concludes with Paul's imprisonment in Rome. Mm -hmm. It is assumed that Luke recorded all of the significant events known to him at the time. So we date this book, the book of Acts, about 61 A.D. The key verses are chapter 1, verse 4, and verse 8. So we're going to read those, um, those verses. The main verse here, I believe, in this whole book is verse 8. But we're going to read these different key verses and come back to verse 8. But uh, verse 8, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. All right, and then we know that the promise of the Father is whom? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That, that's correct. All right, and then, of course, another key verse, and I'm going to come back to chapter 1, verse 8. But another key verse in this book is Acts chapter 4. Verse 12, here Peter is giving his explanation of what has happened, and he gives this great sermon. 
And in chapter 4, verse 12, he says something so significant that reigns through throughout the church age from that point on. For there is, for it, for, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And he's talking, of course, about Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we know that even lines up with uh, what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says something so significant. He says, no man comes to me, comes to the Father, but by me. All right, so that, that eliminates all of this other stuff that's out here that says and all these other ways that people say they can get to God. Jesus says he's the way, not, not one of the ways. He is the way. Mm -hmm. He is the truth, and he is the life. And then he emphasizes this part, and it's so important for us to emphasize this. No man can come to the Father but through Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's just go back to, to chapter 1, verse 8, because for the book of Acts, this is the theme scripture. And I'll share with you why as we, um, as we go through this. And this is not something that's unfamiliar to you. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now the way Luke, uh, the way the Holy Spirit uses Luke is he's a physician, so he's meticulous. All right, his his writings are, are accurate. He, he he always backs his writings up with with witnesses of some type, you know. And so the way he organizes this book is just the Holy Ghost. You know, because here is this main scripture. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witness to, to me in Jerusalem. This is where they were right then, right? Mm -hmm. this, this is where they were. This is where they lived. And in all Judea, that's the region around them. Mm -hmm. And then they were to go to Samaria. That's going out from them now. Samaria is the place not necessarily that they wanted to go. Amen. Sometimes the Jews would go around, you know, uh, if they're, they're here and they Jerusalem and they have to go somewhere else, else out there, they would go around Samaria to get to the other place, you know, and, and Jesus cut through that when he says, I must needs go through where Samaria, because there was a Samaria, Samaritan woman who was going to be at that. Well, I love that story. <laughs> She was going to be at that well. And here is the person, the first person that you see him, I believe, um, saying that he is the Christ too. It wasn't, it wasn't the Jews as much as it was the Samaritan woman there who was asking these questions at that well. And how God ministers to her, how he ministers to her. And, he, and, and, and finally he says to her after all of that, he says, uh, he says go, go get your husband. You know, now you know how that was a, that was a, he was leading on. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. was, <laughs> you know, go get your husband. And she you. says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right, because the man you're living with now is not your husband. You know what I'm saying? And so he revealed himself to her. But look at what she did with that. She went back to her, to her uh, home, uh, you know, her people. 
And she said, the scripture says she did not go to the women. She went to the men of the city. Well, why would she go to the men of the city? This woman was known. She knows Hello. the men. The he, she knows. Like her. <laughs> she knows the, she probably don't have the no lady friends. The Hello. <laughs> The scriptures. I love the scriptures because they, they are real. You know what I'm saying? They did in reality. She did not go to those women because those women probably did not want to be around her. You know what I'm saying? She's, she's, had, she's had five other husbands. They all must have come from that area. Hello. You know what I'm saying? But she went to the men of the city and look at what she says. You know, she, said, she says to them in essence, come and see a man. Well, you know, Lord have mercy. That, that thing blesses me every time I say it. She said, because she knew men. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She knew men. You know, and the men knew her. Mm -hmm. you, you see what I'm saying? And so when she would say that, it, it, it wasn't like one of the other, uh, other ladies in the, in the city saying it. Mm -hmm. But when she was said, they wanted to know who she knew. Come and see a man. And she said, so, so in essence, she's saying, of all the men that I've known, come and see this one. There's something different about him. You know, and what happens? They come out and they see him. And, and the statement that they make is, is a scripture that we, we love to use at Christmas time because he t he, they, they talk with him. He shares with them, you know, that type of thing. And, 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 uh, and they say to her, you know, we now we know for ourselves, not because you told us, mm -hmm. but now we know for ourselves that this is indeed not just Jesus of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. He says, but this is, he says, now they said, now we know for ourselves, not because you told me, but now we know for ourselves that this is indeed the Christ, mm -hmm. the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, that's what a profession that was. Mm -hmm. You know, so anyway... How did I get there? John chapter four. So Jesus, Jesus is talking. How did I get there, you all? Tell me what I did. What I said before. You're talking about Samaria going around. Oh, Samaria! You met the lady at the well, you know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so in Acts chapter one verse eight, you see how Luke, how Luke uh, methodically uh, uh, writes this book. Because he goes from this scripture here and he starts going out. You see them beginning to go out from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. All right. So they are filled with the Holy Spirit at Jerusalem. Jerusalem. All right. Then they start going to the region round about them. All right. Because mm -hmm. of the persecution that they, you know, they were settled in in Jerusalem. They were all happy. They were fellowshipping together. They were eating together. They were having just a wonderful time in the Lord together. But that's not what Jesus told him to do. He didn't yeah. tell him to go settle in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. All right. But when persecution hit, that spread them out. You know, that spread them out. And so they went to their region roundabout. We, 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 we've already looked at that even as we've studied it. But we'll look at it a little bit more even as we go on. All right. So, uh, so they go out from the region of Jerusalem. Then they go to the region of Judea. And they go to Samaria. We we're going to look at that a little bit and, and uh, then to the, uh, the ends of the earth. And that, that, really is a, uh, that really is something that happens with, uh, with not only Paul, but specifically, basically, Paul as he goes forward to, to Rome. He's got to get to Rome, all right, which was the seat of authority at that time. 
All right. So here, uh, so that, that, that's the key verse in this particular book. Then the key words in this book are witnesses. And another, the other key word is Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The word witnesses is mentioned over 30 times in the book of Acts. The word Holy Spirit is mentioned about 70 times in this book. The book is addressed to Theophilus. The key people in this book are, of course, the apostles, Peter, Barnabas, Paul, and, of course, Luke. The theme purpose of this book, it gives the history of the development of the early church from the ascension of Jesus Christ to Paul's imprisonment at Rome and the opening of his ministry there in Rome. The book of Acts records the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is the operative power of the Godhead. And he is the one leading throughout the entire book to get the evangelistic job um, that Jesus commanded to be done in Acts chapter 1-8 to get it done. His name is mentioned, about, mentioned, like I said, about 70 times. And we should look for some work of the Holy Spirit in every chapter of this book, of the book of Acts. The Gospel of Luke relates all that Jesus began both to do and teach, quote-unquote, from Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The book of Acts relates how the Gospel of Jesus Christ spread from Jerusalem to the world. Great evangelical examples, Philip, who went to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, Peter, who went to, and went to Cornelius and his household, which started the gospel going to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. The important points, the acts of the Holy Spirit, the shift of the evangelism from Jews to Gentiles, mm -hmm. the church is established, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to both the Jews and to the Gentiles. And as we said, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is really the key verse that tells us how that got, how the gospel uh, really began to, began to spread. Now up through Acts chapter 12 we have seen the beginning of the church with Peter as the leader in Jerusalem. He's the basic one who's been, been the leader um, in Jerusalem. And we see how, how God uh, deals with Peter in reference to being no respecter of persons because the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel message of the Messiah was not just for the Jews. Even though the message was going to, the, the seed was going to come through the Jews. All right, we see beginning at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see the seed of the woman. So we know that it's a virgin birth. So, and so all through the Old Testament, they begin to talk about this anointed one, this Messiah that has to come. All right, so, so we know that, th that he's coming. And then when God establishes a, a covenant with Abraham, and, uh, and, and as a result, through Isaac and through Jacob, we know that God is planning a, a people through which the Messiah is going to come. All right. And then we see uh, when, um, when Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, all right, when, when Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, blesses his sons, those 12 sons, he speaks to Judah and says, out of Judah is going to come the scepter, 
which is talking about the rulership, which is talking about the Messiah. So now we've got to we, we've gone through Abraham, we've gone through Isaac, we've gone through Jacob, we're looking at the twelve sons, and we come to Judah. All right, and so we know that this seed of the woman that's mentioned in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen, is going to have to come through Judah. All right, so so when we come to the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew's gospel in particular, I love the way uh, the Lord used men to put the Bible that we have today together. Because when it starts the New Testament, coming out of the Old Testament, coming out of the, all the prophecies concerning the Messiah, coming through them even being in captivity... When he comes to the New Testament, he starts with the book of Matthew. They don't, they didn't, they didn't put Mark or John in the beginning. They put Matthew as the first book. Very important because here Matthew is the one who establishes the point that Jesus is this Messiah. This Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that the Messiah, yes, the Messiah is going to be Yeshua Mashiach. It doesn't say that. It does not say that the Messiah is going to be, his name is going to be Jesus. Nowhere does it name the name of Jesus in the Old Testament. So when you come to Matthew, Matthew begins to say the Messiah that's mentioned in all of the books in the Old Testament. That Messiah's name is Jesus. All right. And this is how we know that he is the Messiah. So what does Matthew do? He goes through the lineage. He goes through the, 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 the kingship lineage. He goes through the scepter lineage. All right, that the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Okay, so he goes through the lineage of the kings. Mm -hmm. All right, so he has to go through David. All right, and, and who is born of David? Who is, who is born of David? Both Mary mm -hmm. and uh, Joseph. All right, so we see the gospel in Luke. We see how, how it's connected with Mary, and it goes through one of the sons of David. Mm -hmm. Okay, in, in the book of Matthew, we see it Joseph, Joseph is connected, the, 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 um, adopt, the, the father, adopted father, so to speak, of Jesus. He comes also through the lineage, one of the sons of David. All right, so we see both of them coming through that royal line. All right, and that's the Messiah has to come through that scepter. The Messiah has to come through David, you see. And so Matthew starts with this saying, all right, so here is that Messiah. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Just so you know who it is, because there may have been other people whose name was Jesus. This is the Jesus of Nazareth. So you have Matthew establishing that. And one of the key words, do you remember what one of the key words in Matthew is? Do you remember? Okay, it's the word fulfilled. All right, because throughout the book of Matthew, Matthew is sharing things. And then he says, and it's fulfilled. What was in the Old Testament, he points to that Old Testament and says, now Jesus fulfilled it. He goes to another point. He says, this was in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled it. And then he goes to another point about Jesus of Nazareth because he's got to prove to these Jews that this man, Jesus, who was killed, mm -hmm. is, is indeed the Messiah. He's got to show that. So he's showing it all the time. So the key word in the book of Matthew is fulfilled. All right, so, <clears throat> so as we come through to the book of, of Acts, we, we see now that um, 
the Holy Spirit is now dealing with and uh, dealing the Godhead is really dealing with those twelve, uh, those eleven apostles because they're all Jewish. Mm -hmm. All right, he has to deal with them because Jesus has now uh, rose from the dead, gone back to heaven, and now the church age begins. And they're telling everybody about Jesus. They're telling everybody about Jesus. But they're everybody that they're telling about Jesus are Jews. Mm -hmm. All right, so so what, what happens in Acts chapter 10 with Peter is of utmost importance. Because here Peter is seen as as one of the leaders in the church, mm -hmm. all right. And so after you know after he made that statement about Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and and, G and Jesus says to him, Upon this rock I will build my church. All right, he's looked at as the leader. You know what I'm saying? He was the one who was always outspoken, whether he was right or wrong, but he was outspoken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. So who does God deal with? He has to deal with Peter in reference to God being no respecter of persons. So here in Acts chapter 10, what you see occurring is you see, see God's speaking to Cornelius, all right, and, and uh, who is a friend of the Jews, but he is a Gentile. All right, and telling him to send for Peter, tells him where Peter is, mm -hmm. you know, tells him who, that he's to send this person and have Peter come. All right, Peter, now God has to deal with Peter. And, and so while Peter is waiting to go down for dinner, you know, up, up, up on the rooftop, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and lets him know that the, the, these men are coming, you know. And so you see, you see what's beginning to happen. You see that Jesus has gone, he's ascended, and now the Holy Spirit is speaking. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is speaking. All right, so that we are still in that church age. The Holy Spirit is still speaking. We get directions from the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do we do about this situation? We have to listen on the inside, wait for the Spirit of God to speak to us, and then do what he says. Mm -hmm. You know, or we listen on the inside, hear from the Lord, and then say, Father, please confirm that in your word. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure I'm on the right track here. All right. But the Holy Spirit began speaking. All right. And so he goes with, uh, tell me what happens. Tell me what happens in Acts chapter 10. Peter. Yeah. Just okay, talk Peter. to us a little bit. Talk. Okay. Talk. <laughs> what happens in chapter 10? In chapter 10, doesn't Peter um, go around healing? Healing? In Acts chapter 10, remember Cornelius is now sending the men to Peter. He's up on the housetop. What happens on that rooftop? He sees a vision. Uh-huh, he sees a vision. What's that vision? Um, a lot of unclean animals. Mm -hmm. What he sees. And um, to Peter, he's like, oh, no, I can't deal with that. You know, yeah. he, I'm a Jew. That's right. You know, these, this is unclean stuff. So That's I right. That's right. I'm a part of that. Yeah, Jesus, so God was telling him to eat of it. Mm -hmm. And yes. God, he says, I've never eaten anything unclean. unclean Okay, so go on. And so, of course, he gets the revelation that, you know, okay, whatever I have blessed, you you know, you can't call it unclean. That's so, right. Long story short, he eventually has to understand mm -hmm. that the gospel is for the Gentiles as well as, as well. the Jews. That's right. Yeah. That, exactly, exactly correct. So when those men come for him and he goes with them to mm -hmm. Cornelius' house, Cornelius has the house full of people. people. And, yeah. and Peter tells them about Jesus. As he is speaking to them about Jesus, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? And, and are speaking in tongues, you know. And so Peter says, what does we... Hello... 
they they are absolutely are saved. So it's like, what does hinder them from being even baptized? Because they they believe just as we believe. Mm -hmm. That you know they have accepted what we have accepted. Mm -hmm. All right, and so the people who came with him saw also what took place. So that when he got back to the council which was James was the leader of the council of the Jews at that particular time. When he got back to them, he had to explain this thing, what had happened. Mm -hmm. you know. And so he explains to them what happened, and the men who were with him are also testifying to this, so that they understand that now God is no respecter mm -hmm. of persons. Mm -hmm. So you see in these, in these first chapters here, in chapters, um, uh, chapters 1 through 12, we have seen the beginning of the church with Peter as the leader in Jerusalem. All right, and in um, in chapter five, verse forty-two, they were daily in the temple, and in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. So, as they were going now, as you know, they they did what Jesus said. They tarried in Jerusalem. They waited for the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and then as they were now going uh, forward uh, in the Spirit of God. <clears throat> um, they uh, they are filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They continue and then they are daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to preach and to teach, uh, uh, teach and to preach Jesus Christ. And then they established two offices in the church. Uh, well, ba basically there were two, two offices established. There were the deacons uh, who were established mm -hmm. to serve tables, to attend to the benevolence and to care for the needy. And there were the apostles who were devoted to preaching and praying, all right? So besides Peter and Paul, the two deacons, Stephen and Philip, were mighty in their influence over the church. Mm -hmm. When you get to Stephen over in Acts chapter 6, you see him, Stephen is in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. all right? He, and he is one of those deacons. These deacons are filled up with the Holy Spirit. These deacons know the word of God that they had at their disposal at that particular time. They are, they are bold witnesses, mm -hmm. you know, and so should our deacons be today. We should be following the same pattern as in the scripture. So in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, uh, 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 left an, understanding uh, an outstanding impression on Saul. Uh, and Saul mentions this, Paul, as Paul, he mentions this in chapter 22, verse 20. But when Stephen is there sharing this whole story, Stephen takes us through the whole Old Testament in his sermon. <laughs> I just love it. All right. But so Stephen's life and death had an incalculable effect on the history of the world and his influence upon Saul of Tarsus. We have only one day's account of Stephen's life, but what an account it was. Yeah. All right. And even as persecution began, the early church went everywhere preaching the word of God. Acts chapter 3 verse 4 says, The persecution of the early church caused the twelve sitting down at Jerusalem to spread to all the world. Now, we understand that there was a 12th one, right? Mm -hmm. After Judas, we know that they, they, they replaced picked him. replaced him with mm -hmm. Matthias. All right, everywhere they went, they preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not stop preaching about Jesus. Everywhere they went. Philip uh, was in Judea and Samaria. So one of the seven deacons, not an apostle, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, he was an evangelist. 
And he settled in Samaria as a result of the persecution. This is uh, through historians that we know this information. Uh, he settled in Samaria as a result of the persecution. And Jesus has said you to go into Samaria, right? Mm -hmm. A large number was following him in his evangelistic work. Even in the midst of this, God called him to arise and go toward the south in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And on the way, he met an, what? Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch, right? As a result of the Ethiopian eunuch receiving Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was on its way to Africa. All right, remember, to the uttermost parts of the world. Then Saul is introduced as Stephen is martyred. Mm -hmm. All right, and so the, the ministry of Saul began, we began to see, see Saul there at that point, and then we see his conversion take, mm -hmm. take place, and there's no doubt that he is called to be a witness of Jesus Christ, and he's called to go to the Gentiles. In Acts chapters 13 through 28, we see Paul and the church at Antioch. So no longer are we dealing with, uh, with Peter and the church at Jerusalem, basically. Now we switch over to Paul and the church is now at Antioch. Antioch instead of Jerusalem is the new base of operation, uh, it seems. All the missionary journeys of Paul start from this area called Antioch, not from Jerusalem in chapter 11, verses 21 through 26. Because of God using Barnabas, Paul was rediscovered coming out of obscurity. He was one of the foreign missionaries, he and Barnabas, because they were sent forth from there. But it's so important, the role of Barnabas. The role of Barnabas. And I like the way Luke, how he's organized this book, because uh, he always introduces a character, and then you see start start seeing the character. So when Barnabas was introduced, it was when they were all together in one place and they had everything in car in common. And Barnabas is the one who sold his sold land and so forth and gave it. Mm -hmm. All right, and as a result, others started doing too. And we have that whole story of, in Acts chapter five about Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. But there is where Barnabas was introduced. You see, and that's what, Paul, that's what um, Luke did. He introduced the character, and then later he brings that character into what, what, what they're doing. So, so Barnabas has already been introduced, and now what we see Barnabas doing, Barnabas goes after Paul. There have to be Barnabases in our church, those who are the encouragers. Paul was not an encourager. Paul was a prophet who pointed a finger, and if you didn't have it right, you know, just... Get out of my way. You know, and so there are those people like that in the church. And we have to understand that the, the different um, callings of people so that we don't get upset with people. You know, because one person could say, oh, Barnabas is always going after such and such and doing this and encouraging this one. You know, and then we could also say, well, well Paul, he's just, he just outright says something that you're supposed to do and you're supposed to get it right right then. He don't want to stand for no mess. See, you have both in the church. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to understand that God has called both 
in the same body. But the body today does not receive it as such. <laughs> that's right. They can handle that. And so that's why they got to get back into the scripture, don't they? Yes. So that they can begin to see that this is all, these, both of these people were a part of the church. You know, now they did have to separate at a point mm -hmm. because Barnabas was still doing a Barnabas thing. He, Mark, had, Mark had missed it. Paul is saying, Mark missed it. He is not coming with me. You know what I'm saying? Paul is still a part of the church. Mark is still a part of the church. Barnabas is still a part of the church. And Barnabas says, but we got to bring Mark in. You see what we got to do. So Barnabas goes after him. And there, there is a heated, it, it is a heated discussion between Paul and Barnabas at that particular point. But were both roles important? And were both of what they were doing important at the same time? Weren't they in the same body? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Weren't they both being led by the Holy Spirit? So people have to understand how to let things go as they're going and how the Holy Spirit is directing in both situations and keep on flowing. Mm -hmm. that, that's, could you see that? That's how a lot of churches get split. That is at correct. That point, you know, yeah. Because, mm -hmm. Well, over in Corinthians. Yeah, first Corinthians, says, that's know, right. <laughs> I'm a Paul. I'm a Paul. I'm a, Paul, Paul, you know, I'm a Cephas. That's or whatever. right. That's and that right. Cause a lot of division. That's in the correct. Church. That is but right. But aside from the division in the church, um, people, that's where personality conflicts come into play. To sure. Yeah. You know, where it, instead of seeing the people of God as the ministering angels of God mm -hmm. giving you God's word mm -hmm. they begin to see it as a personality mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. wherein mm -hmm. oh who does she think she is mm -hmm. well nobody mm -hmm. <laughs> you know just see me for who God made God me, made me to, to be. be that's right and and but they're not they're not seen and they're not really supposed to see them as ministering angels because they are not ministering angels no I don't mean it in that yeah. strictest sense yeah. I'm yeah. just saying we they are supposed the word to, of the Lord yeah they're supposed know? to be the eyes, the ears, the you know, the hands, the feet. So every person has a the different part. function. Yes. The parts of the body. So, but somebody in that whole grouping has to see, uh, has to be in this day. I'm talking about in our day. Somebody in that grouping has to say, okay, sister, sister is, is supposed to do this. She's like that Barnabas. Mm -hmm. And brother so, such, such and such is supposed to be this. And He's like that Saul. And, and right accept it and, and keep on going and flowing together as one. Mm -hmm. And many times that is the under shepherd, mm -hmm. you know, who God has called to that particular flock. Or it could be others who are in leadership in that particular church who see that and, tr and bring that together so there won't be strife. Mm -hmm. You see, you see what I'm saying? So that's how that's supposed to be handled, mm -hmm. you know, you, because you will have those Barnabases mm -hmm. and you will have those Saul's. And so somebody has to be the mediator in there to say, this is the way we will function even in the midst of this with the Barnabas doing this with Mark and the, and the, Saul, uh, uh, the Saul picking up Silas mm -hmm. and going on and doing what he has to do. You see what I'm saying? Somebody has to be that mediator in the midst whether it is in a small group in the church that's ha that, where that situation is happening, or if it's in the larger group in the church where that situation is occurring. You see what I'm saying? It has to be handled, but it has to be handled in a godly fashion. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that you don't want in the church is you don't want strife. Because the Bible says where there's strife, there's every evil work and mm -hmm. 
Not only that, but the devil can do what he wants to do. So that's why we don't allow strife in the church. You see, you see what I'm saying? So you got to get rid of the strife in the church. So anyway, Paul and uh, so um, uh, so what you have is uh, you see Paul and the church at Antioch, and, and Antioch instead of Jerusalem is the new base of operation. It seems, and all the missionary journeys of Paul start from Antioch and not from. Jerusalem in chapter 11 verses 21 through 26 because of God using Barnabas Paul was rediscovered coming out of obscurity thank God for Barnabas amen and then Acts chapter 13 verses 2 through 3 we, the, we see the first foreign missionaries started westward from Antioch Acts chapter 2 verse 3 Paul and Barnabas came preaching the gospel to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved chapter 16 verse 31 they no longer had to become Jewish, except in Jewish laws and ceremonies. So here, they dealt with another uh, sacred cow, so to speak, where uh, the Jews believed that they had to be circumcised, even though they were Gentiles. And now we see that through Peter's testimony with Cornelius, and now through Paul and Barnabas, when they come back to that council of uh, of, of disciples, he tell, they tell them that none of that had none of that occurred when these people accepted Christ. They did they truly accepted Christ. Christ baptized them in the Holy Spirit, and they weren't circumcised, mm -hmm. so they don't need to be circumcised. So here, here you change that that um, ritual, so to speak, that had been a part of the old covenant. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant. All right, but now it is no longer that Jesus has died. Buried, resurrected, and now Jesus is the way. Jesus is the one they have to accept. If they confess with their mouth, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in their hearts that God raised them from the dead, they are saved. That's all that is required. All right, so, so that now changes. You know, now they're under a better covenant. So we see this happening. History tells us that Thomas went to India. Others went to Syria, Arabia, etc. Paul and Barnabas started westward from Antioch in chapter 13, verse 2 through 3. Luke joins the missionary party in chapter 16, verse 10. You start seeing the word we. Mm -hmm. We, we, I think I showed you all that already. The first convert in Europe uh, was in Philippi. It was a businesswoman. Her name was Lydia. <laughs> then you had the Philippian jailer. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, who asked the most important question in the word, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> in chapter 17, verse 4, we found, find the church at uh, Thessalonica. In Athens, Paul preaches on Mars Hill in chapter 17, verse 32. He reveals that God is very near. In Corinth, he founded a church and stayed there 18 months to establish the Christians in chapter 18, verse 8. We see this is very regular with Paul. Paul would begin a church, we begin uh, get converts, begin a church. Uh, he would leave and then you'd see him come back around to establish them in the things of God, which was very, very important at that time. And then you then he began to write books to them. All right, and so what we see is, um, uh, let me see if I have it here. I think I may have it somewhere, but... Uh, um, maybe. Let's see if I have it right here. Okay. 
So what we see, the ch so when he starts writing these letters, I'll just, just deviate to this for a minute. Uh, the first book he wrote was Galatians to the Church at Galatia. Uh, he, uh, where he was writing from Antioch in Syria around A.D. 49. First Thessalonians uh, was to the church, of course, at Thessalonica. Also, Second Thessalonians was to that church. And it was written in Corinth, and it was written around, those two books were written around A.D. 51. Then we see First uh, Corinthians and Second Corinthians was written to um, to the church at Corinth. It was written in Macedon, Ephesus. The first First Corinthians was written in Ephesus in A.D. 56, and these are approximate dates. And Second Corinthians was written at Macedonia around A.D. 52. Romans was written to the church at Corinth. It was written uh, in Corinth around A.D. 57. Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus, was written in Rome when he was in prison around A.D. 60 to 61. Colossians was written to the church at Colossae. So these are all churches that he established, and now he is, uh, now he is encouraging them. It was written from Rome when he was in prison around A.D. 60 to 61. Philemon, who is a, uh, uh, written to his friend Philemon, was written from Rome while he was in prison in A.D. 60-61. Philippians was written to the church at Philippi. He was written when he was in Roman prison in A.D. 62. In 1 Timothy, he was written to his friend Timothy. It was written at Macedonia. It was around A.D. 63-66. 2 Timothy was written to his friend Timothy. It was written uh, from the dungeon, from the dungeon in Rome in AD around AD 67. I've skipped Titus. Titus, who was a friend, also it was written at Corinth and it was written around AD 63. Also, uh, some believe some scholars believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Some scholars believe that Galatians was written about AD 53-57. So here we see. I wanted to just bring that out because. Paul is the one who's going around establishing these churches, and he's setting leaders over some of these churches. <clears throat> and he also uh, goes back to some that he could get back to, but when he couldn't and he was in prison, he started writing these letters. And these letters, or some of these letters were circulated, you know, to other areas so that different groups of Christians in those areas could read what he was writing. We have them all here today, thank God, and they are written for our edification. It tells us how we are to walk out our Christianity. So that's why we have these. Um, <clears throat> in Athens, Paul preaches on Mars Hill in chapter 17, verse 32. He reveals that God is very near in Corinth, he founded a church and stayed there 18 months to establish the Christians in chapter 18, verse 8. Here he meets Aquila and Priscilla, mm -hmm. who become loyal friends of his. Uh, Paul's third missionary journey, he spends three years in one of the greatest cities of his day, next to Rome. Multitudes of Jews and Gentiles of Asia heard the gospel preached. The city of officials rescued Paul from the persecution in Ephesus. As Paul is traveling, he is writing. From Ephesus, he sends 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8. During this third journey, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Romans. Paul's farewell missionary journey must have been heartbreaking in Acts chapter 20, mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. We've looked at that already, verses 37 and 38. He knew that it was his final farewell with that Middle Eastern expression of sorrow. They fell on his neck. That's a Middle Eastern expression of sorrow, and they were weeping. Leaving Ephesus, he is headed for Jerusalem. This becomes his last visit to Jerusalem. Yes, the same Jerusalem that 26 years before mm -hmm. he had assisted a Jewish mob in the murder yeah. of Stephen. This time, he is the proclaimer of Jesus Christ. Isn't that something, how God would, I tell you? Swiftly, a Jewish mob gather and declare he is, he is teaching the Jewish people to forsake Moses. Finding that Paul is a Roman citizen, the, the chief captain promises to give him a fair trial. Paul makes his defense before the Roman governor Felix at Caesarea. Mm -hmm. After two years in prison, Paul is tried a second time before the new governor Festus. From here, Paul appears to Caesar, the emperor of Rome, in chapter 21, verses 27 through chapter 26, verse 32, on his way to Rome. All that happens as Paul is on his way to Rome, the ship wreck in the storm off the coast of Malta, even on the prison ship, God is still using Paul. And Paul is still being sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And he's still preaching the gospel everywhere he went, whoever would listen. In Rome, because of how God used Paul on the voyage to Rome, the captain was instrumental in making sure he was cared for. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. In Rome, Paul was kept a prisoner at, at, in his own hired house for two years. He led Nero's servants in Nero's own palace to Christ in chapter 27, verses 1 through chapter 28, verse 24. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> mm -hmm. During this Roman imprisonment, Paul wrote Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians. It is thought that possible in a, in a dungeon in Rome while waiting to be beheaded, he wrote his second letter uh, to Timothy. That's the one he, I fought a good fight. Mm -hmm. I finished my course. According to tradition, the Apostle Paul was condemned and beheaded in 68 A. Acts is the only unfinished book in the Bible. It ends abruptly. The gospel of Jesus Christ continues. It is still going to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are still living out the book of Acts. Now it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through us. So we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? Amen. And we are doing it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen.